The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode is also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode is also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes App Store. Live from a birthing pod, it's Doctor Who Pachak. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, over 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? What's happening? Uh, one day we will get back. Yes. One day. Flesh is struggling to cope with our past three generations. Hold on. Would you like a jelly baby? I'm the doctor. No, let it go. We've, we've moved on. Just reverse the jelly baby of the neutron flow. I'd like more proof that you're me. Cybermans. Created by the Cybermen, they kill by feeding off brainwaves. Rory and Amy, they may not trust both of us. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Inevitably. <laughs> See, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Uh, See, great minds. Exactly. So, what's the plan? Well, save them all, humans and gangers. Tall order, sounds wonderful. Is that what you were thinking? Yes, it's just so inspiring to hear me say it. Oh, come on! Sorry. Protocol. Protocol? Very posh. Well, a protocol between us, otherwise it gets horribly embarrassing, potentially confusing. Okay, well, I'm glad you solved the problem of confusing. We're trapped in here. Yowza! An escapement! You know, I'm starting to get a sense of just how impressive it is to hang out with me. Do we tend to say yowza? That's enough, let it go. It could be anywhere. How are we going to find... Think them? about it. All that gas out there, my guess would be the evac tower. Get above it, try to get power up. So, let's stop it. It's the... a narrow doorway. I could defend it easy enough, so can she. <laughs> I tried to block the memories, but now I know I must remember. It's the eyes. The eyes are the last to go. What are you talking about? When they destroy us, the eyes are the last things to melt. And there's one question in those eyes. Why? All the times you were decommissioned, or should I say executed? No, we don't remember. Well, I do. It's us or them. I have a plan. And it'll destroy them all. The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 248. This is Louis Trapani. 
And joining me across the great pond is, once again, Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hello, Lewis. Great to be here. Yes, it's, um, I take it I'm talking to Lewis anyway. Hopefully so. <laughs> Let me uh, put my hand on a scanner here to see if I'm human or not. Let me just check which shoes you're wearing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go by that. Uh-huh. I might have switched shoes. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's see. I do have a Sonic here, and um, if if I um, go away in a second, you know what happened. Oh, totally Sonic, I hope. <laughs> I think I'm still here. <laughs> okay, well, we're here. Obviously, we're going to be reviewing the Almost People here, and once again, if you have not seen the Almost People, which um, could be very well be the case this time, uh, don't listen. <laughs> Wait until you have seen the Almost People, because they will. There will be spoilers in this episode here, and uh, there's no way to avoid them. Not that we would avoid them, because we always give a spoiler warning when we do these review shows. But uh, unfortunately, um, it's uh, a BBC America fail this time. They've been doing so good with B- with the Doctor Who promotion, but. Uh, someone needs to inform the good folks at BBC America that people in the U.S. simply don't stop watching TV just because it's Memorial Day weekend. It's it's a it's a three day holiday. It's and even if people are away, there are these inventions called VCRs and DV. Well, if anyone's still using one, and DVRs and whatnot to uh, record something that you may want to watch if you're not going to be home to watch it. Even still, uh, instead of doing a, I believe they did a Doctor Who marathon this um, in its place. So instead of, um, in, in addition to that, they could have um, shown the almost people, and then what they could have done next week was re-shown it again right before a good man goes to war. So those that may have missed it this week could catch it next week, and um, it's win-win because those now they're going to lose out because people, real diehard fans, will find other ways of, of watching it and. Um, you know, so they may not be tuning in next week for it. Well, and especially with it being a two-parter, to have a yeah. uh, an extra week's gap, um, and 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 trying to avoid all the spoilers on the net and all that, it's oh, um, indeed. Yeah, I I just think it wasn't a wise choice for them to do that. But that's you know, and it, we're not asking them to work on the holiday weekend. It's it would be the same. I mean, they showed Doctor Who, so I mean, it's just a matter of programming it in and um, roll VT. Yeah. So, uh, so speaking of which, if um, you are in the U.S. or a U.S. citizen or or whatnot, it is Memorial Day weekend this weekend. So we wish you a happy Memorial Day weekend, and um, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope the weather's nice for you. And um, even if you're not enjoying the, ho- even if you're not celebrating the holiday, I hope the weather's nice for you. <laughs> this week, I forgot to mention it last week, but this past week was uh, Block World, a new media expo. So I attended that during the week, and there were a few listeners there because I gave a call out on Twitter if you're there to uh, to say hi. And indeed, um, a few did say hi. So I, I do want to um, acknowledge those that that met up with me there. And, um, I, I'm not going to run through all the names, but um, if you're listening, you know who you are. So um, it's uh, it was a good show, but we're I'm not going to use up our time to talk about it here. Anyway, we're here to talk about The Almost People, which is the second part of the story from last week, which was um, The Rebel Flesh. And this picks up where that left off. So once again, just to kind of recap... 
um, as far as uh, the you know the the credits go, it's once it's as as last week's episode was. It was directed by Julian Simpson, written by Matthew Graham, and uh, starring Mark Boner as Jimmy Marshall Lancaster, who you may know from Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes as Buzzer, um, Sarah Smart as Jennifer, Rachel Cassidy as Cleves, and Leon Vickers as Dickon, and they're you know they're all back. So this is a part, as I said, part two of that, and uh, it opens up where pretty much they do a recap of last week, and it pretty much opens up right after that, it, which if you heard the clip that we just played, it was, um, we, we got we got treated to some past regenerations that the doctor was recollecting, and well, the, the flesh doctor, as he was coming into existence he was um coping with some of his past regenerations there which uh yeah, I just, no go ahead i was just gonna say some thoughts just pointed out that we should also say that canada as well as the united states didn't see this episode so what's canada's excuse i know they're, they're probably um linked into bbc to america or america so because mm. one deferred they have to so I, that's that's not fair just because the U.S. is having Memorial Day weekend. and Well, it's not even fair for the U.S., but it's, it's doubly not fair for Canada. It's not even their holiday, or, or, unless they're celebrating Memorial Day it's as well. Put that, that was the agreement, so that was what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just like you know the, the, the fact that they're not showing up on iTunes or Amazon because of, um, you know, it's, it's all through BBC America. So yeah, but I, it does. It hasn't stopped our show because we have lots of people here in our live show here. People who are in the chat and also who are in the queue. So I'm glad that the turnout here is good because I was almost afraid that uh, um, the, the almost people would get almost no people here because of the viewing situation. So yeah, so as I was saying, it was kind of it's once again which has been happening more often than not when Stephen after Stephen Moffat has taken over the show is that we've gotten some um, references to some earlier doctors which um, we really didn't get much of during the Russell T Davies era when it was mostly focused on um, if if there was any previous doctors references it was more recent you know not 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 all the time but it just seemed you know since um, Stephen Moffat has taken over it they're more liberal about referring to older doctors especially some you know the older ones you know like the first doctor and second doctor and um you know and here we heard um some references going back to the first and third and fourth and and in fact we hear tom baker's voice isn't that that's um indeed yeah which is something i don't think many people thought and i thought we heard the fifth doctor's voice but somebody corrected me earlier and they think it was the the tenth doctor's voice in there uh, I, I the, thought it was the fifth as well get, get, myself, but I, I'm yeah. not sure. The, the get over it, uh, I've gone and uh, get over it, which was perhaps a, um, a hidden hint to uh, tenant fangirls to give up the, uh, you know, admit that he'd gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Darth, in, uh, Darth Skeptical in our chat session says it's absolutely the tenth. So, and um, so, so does um, Sonic Screwdriver uh, as well. Says. Or sonic screwdrivers. I think there's more to his username, but it's cut off. 
All right, so it made for a great start as well, though, because um, we're so used to the more recent two-parters have been done by the showrunner Steve Moffat, and we all know how he has this habit of, uh, you know, you're watching, uh, you know, Silence in the Library, and then Forest of the Dead is, you know, starts in a completely different. Well, you don't even have to go that far back. Just go back to the beginning of this series with um, the first two episodes here, part two. <laughs> You're expecting it to pay, take place at, right at the start of, you know, you know where part one ended, and it's um, it 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 doesn't. It's we're was Suddenly it Amy six, running across the countryside? Yeah, six six months or six weeks of uh, difference or something like that. Uh, Three by the, months or something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's Sonic Screwdrivers Ahoy. Uh, yes, um. <laughs> okay, matey. <laughs> so, uh, but speaking of going, you know, references to uh, Doctor Who of the past, John Smith, the name is used again in this story, you can, which is even takes on a different meaning as well, since it's played by Matt Smith. So um, when he said, you can call me Smith, <laughs> it's just, it, it sort of has a double meaning there. Uh, one thing I did notice in this story, which uh, was evident in last story, which seems to have been completely dropped in this story, was Dickens' cold seemed to, um, has been cured or has gone away. I, I thought that might play into this um, episode, you know, as far as determining which was the real and which is the flesh, you know, the, the one with the cold would be there you know, the human one, but that didn't come into play at all. Well, I think there's quite a lot of misdirection. There were a few things that were sort of heavily laid down that they might be, you know, this is a clue, uh, and they turned out to not be clues, like the, the, like you mentioned when I made that joke about changing shoes. Uh, uh, we were all thinking, oh, well, that's going to be how we're going to tell the difference, and then they did the switcheroo on us. It's it's one of these... They, they did it as well, if you remember, in... Um, the part where they had the Canton Everett inside the TARDIS in the other episode where, you know, the, the, he turned around and saw something and the doctor tapped him. And we mm -hmm. didn't see it because we were forgetting. In other words, we only saw what Canton had seen yeah. and therefore we weren't privy to it. And it's the same with this. There was the, uh, it's like the double blind experiment, isn't it? Well, where, um, they, they didn't, they were trying, the doctors were later find out is already suspicious of Amy, and therefore he he wants to uh, delude, not delude, confuse Amy as to which is the real Doctor, but at the same time they play that trick on us, the audience. Yeah, I was going to say, this whole series so much has been all of that, you know, where, you know, there's more going on than the audience is um, led to believe or, or you know that that we know ourselves you know and you know we kind of picked up on that last episode when the doctor arrives there he already knew that the people that were coming were almost people and you know and as i said last time that we know the doctor knows more than what he's telling us and that turns out to be the case here and uh, but getting back to the switching of the shoes what we don't you know obviously this happens off screen so we don't actually see it so otherwise that would give it away uh, but what's interesting is that they chose to make the shoes the identifier thing so that um, while watching the episode you don't really see the shoes so you know it's um, it's it's less obvious to the view to the audience which doctor is which anyway even if without the switch 
but when do I mean we have to assume that the switch happens sometime between uh, um, well, that, I that's think it was when they were both behind that console you know when the two yeah, were side by side and, uh, and they were ducking up and down because the way they had that conversation I was fairly certain that the one on the right was the ganger and the one on the left was the real doctor but later on it, uh, what the one on the left said seemed to lead me to believe that he was so whether they not only ducked down and changed shoes but changed sides but I'm assuming if there was any any point in which they'd done it that was the that was the time well that either that or or immediately before that um off camera or whatever you know they, they might have done it because when watching it the first time we have to, we, we assume this is again watching it the the first time before we know better we assume that when he's out with amy when when the what we assume to be the flesh doctor goes out and has this uh scene with amy where we assume that he's flesh he's he's not human and all that and amy spills the beans about you know that he that he's seen him die, you know He's seen him die. You you had invited us and all that. So that that information is transferred to the doctor. Then whether or not the doctor already knew it or not, we don't know. But uh, and that's where we get in another misdirection as well because the doctor that was seated uh, throws his sonic uh, screwdriver to that doctor, mm-hmm. which leads us all well led me to believe that he's the real doctor and he's sort of loaning his sonic screwdriver. Although as it turns out. We know that this flesh thing can produce clothes, so we assume it's they both have a sonic screwdriver. And indeed, later in the story, uh, the one that goes to kill uh, the Jennifer monster has a screwdriver, and the Doctor has a screw the sonic screwdriver still in the TARDIS when he dispatches the Amy ganger. So we we know there are two, but they play on that as you know. Well, I'm, that's a good why, point. Why do they need to swap this? Yeah, well, that's that, that's a good point because at the end of the episode, I left thinking, oh well, the doctor's going to need a new Sonic now because um, he he left it with with the Gengar and therefore you know and at the end they they melt away whatever so uh, but then again then you see him use use it again on the TARDIS so unless mm. you know the doctor has multiple you know Sonics which I think wasn't there a reference. Um, I mean, in the past, he, um, in the recent past, but didn't he have um, more than one where I well, seem to recall? I only assume that they swapped it once and swapped it back, one to, one to mislead us, and secondly, because the, 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 the Doctor then at least gets his real one back. But there were certainly two, but it, it was yeah. used as a, a misdirection to us. Um, it, I can't. And there were some funny things said about, um, I mean, it's jumping towards the end, but where the doctor says that uh, we may not see the seen the last of you, you you may survive. Yeah, I think that was but, sort of a little nugget there of, of what might be to come. What did you think about the actual, I mean, one of the things that was also misleading me was that it took me a while to realize that there were actually three Jennifers because, of course, that was how Rory was taken in because he, he confronts the two Jennifers in that control room. She'd already tried to activate that thing with no success because she was the flesh. But then we, we don't see what happens, but we see Rory come in and confront the two of them, one of which appears to have a burn on the leg. Uh, and that when that one is destroyed, it convinces Rory that he is at least with the real Jennifer. Well, the, the, when I was... We, we know. Oh, I was just going to say, when I was watching it for the first time, I was suspicious only 
for the fact that they they invested so much time in building up the character of the flesh Jennifer for I, I just didn't think that they would um, if you know immediately you know so soon in this episode have her killed off you know without any real you know I, I figured they were building her up to be more than than that so I, I was kind of suspicious just because of um, you know they, they invested so much time in building her character up just to destroy her so easily wouldn't make sense but it, that was the mis- you know they made this point of that there were two of everybody but in chaos in this particular case there were three of her well um, we, we've seen that they were they were discarding other ones so it, it, it could have been um since uh, you know one was had a limp it could have been a discarded jennifer that's what my take was or or she that or she they can divide and and um you know she's a you know obviously she can manipulate herself maybe she she cloned herself or whatever but um my first and in, in take on that was that it was one of the discarded ones that she um you know brought back to life or whatever uh, well i didn't see it that way but i mean certainly that is possible um the whole point was though that um it was yet a, another way of misdirecting us as the the, the viewer and also it meant that she got because basically rory was uh uh, although he, he, you could assume that he was, um, you know, his his idea of being a medic and, uh, and wanting to help and his learning of compassion from the doctor that he would help her, she won him over and won his trust there. Um, but it was still quite a stretch for Rory to go and lock them in that room, um, which she seemed to fairly quickly realise, hang on a minute, this is not ringing true here. Yeah, she, well, I, I don't think that was before Rory figured out what was going on. We, the audience, yeah. knew because we we knew pretty fairly early on when she used his hand to, um, yeah. to you know, to, to get past that security clearance on that you know computer screen. So, about- yeah, what, what what was nice about this is that the different gangers didn't all act in the same way. Um, so that, the, you know, yeah. I mean, she turned out to be, she was the sweetest girl at the beginning, and she turned out to be the nastiest. Um, so, a little bit like they did, well, a lot of well, Stephen Moffat's story, yeah. the the girl in the, um, the, the, the silence in the library, Forest of Dead, the Dead, who turned out to be the very pretty bim, bimbo, and then when they, in the second part, she ended up having a disfigured face, but she ended up being the intelligent one, and and just like Cleves, Cleves turn you know comes across initially as a no nonsense you know take no prisoners type of woman, and then she turns out to be the end to be more thoughtful and considerate and um, you know in, in character toward, you know at the end of the story. So I think she realizes humans can have their own problems because she inherits that. Uh, Thing. And that was one thing that slightly took me out of the thing, the fact that um, uh, when they are in the TARDIS towards the end, the Doctor suddenly has the right, not only a medicine, but he has the exact medicine she needs. Yeah, I know. I, uh, in, it's, um, it's that, and he has a red balloon as well at the control council. It just happens to be right there. Uh, but I, I think they just did that for 
the convenience so that he didn't have to walk out and come back again. But it just it it just seemed a bit odd. You know, we know the doctor has all these things in his pockets, you know, from past doctors and all that. And he, he likes to collect, you know, things and has them handy and all that. But it just seemed a little bit too convenient that he just happened to have all that right there on, you know, in, in it on his you know, from with under his control council, it seemed, you know, a cure for for the um, the, the blood clot and um, and a red balloon as well. And uh, just one last thing for me is um, I wasn't really keen on the, the, the deformation of that Jennifer. Cameron. Well, I, I know you had mentioned that last experiment last week. You had mentioned that, you know, that's it, like you said, mm-hmm. it goes back to I also think it's a nod to the thing the the, the movie, the, just like there's nods to Alien here where it's uh, like that whole base under siege thing. And, you know, even the acid, um, the, the alien and, and alien bled acid for blood. And um, uh, there was a cattle prod that was used and i mean the only thing that was missing was the little tracking you know the little tracking devices to track the the the, the flash they but they didn't need that but they sort of had the sonic for that but yeah i i think it was sort of a nod to the thing you know the, the 1982 version of the thing along that same vein if you will there were uh eyes in the wall there where oh, yeah that that was a bit because that kind of took me out too. Because it just seemed a bit unusual that they would. Now, did the Flash Jennifer put them there? Because there's a scene earlier on. The first time I didn't catch it. The first time viewing it, but on the second time viewing it, then you know what to expect. And there's a scene where she looks like she's the eyes aren't there, but the there's wall. like she's there on the wall, and there's they look like they're like spots on the walls where the eyes will be. Yeah. But I, I think that was the consensus that we had on our show earlier, but I hadn't seen that because I thought, well, why? Why are they little sort of giant eyes as well? I mean, if they were going to be eyes, they should be a pair of eyes, human-sized. Yeah. Uh, but I think she did that. And I think the same way as that discarded pile of um, gangers, uh, it's not sure that, that Jennifer wasn't doing that all to sort of make the other gangers realize oh. that this was a war and mm-hmm. also to get um yeah i didn't i didn't you think know, rory on her side i didn't um, think the discarded ones were her doing but now that you bring it up i, I guess it's a possibility mm-hmm. yeah well this whole eyes things goes back to this whole stephen moffat theme with eyes you know it just um it's not obviously this is written by um matthew graham not stephen moffat but as a as the lead script editor he could you know insert this 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 into the story whatever but there's seems to be an ongoing theme you know oh yes the 11th hour had the spaceship with the giant eye didn't it yeah well you it doesn't it go back to the girl in the fireplace or um there's just it seems to be emphasis on eyes yeah but but especially yeah it goes back to the 11th hour Wow, uh, and heads on uh, on heads on the long uh, tubes as well. I mean, the the prisoner zero was like that, wasn't it? Mm. And so, that's one of the things that uh, was the the big uh, big reveal as well, wasn't it? When uh, when the doctor, after save, trying to save all these gangers, seems to quite happy to dispatch this ganger Amy off. He said for a long time, she have not been aiming for a long time. So we certainly don't know how far back this is uh, well, brewing, do we? Well, when watching this um, for the first time, just watching the episode on itself, I was I was thinking, oh, well, probably when she was kidnapped by the silent 
by the science she was still maybe she, the science still has her and that's but if you watch and spoil it well again this is an extra spoiler alert if you watch <laughs> doctor who confidential Stephen moffat explains that it goes it, it, it goes back further than that that this this um flesh version of amy is um goes you know starts well, off the, the eye patch lady before then hadn't she or something probably yeah you're right you're right yeah yeah, she, even before she was kidnapped by the silence. So, yeah, this goes back to the beginning of this series, which, you know, I said, you know, back when we were reviewing um, the beginning, you know, the, that, that first story of, of this series where um, it picks up uh, with Amy and Rory, you know, living their life and they're, they're picking up clues about the doctor and all that. But it doesn't pick up where we left off last series. So there's some gap there that's unexplained. And we are assuming now that this is all leading to that gap, something that's been taking place after, you know, when, after we leave last series and before this series picks up. And I've just realized, of course, that the crack in Amy's wall, that was a giant eye looking through that, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is um, that um, I'm quite slightly proud of anyway is that I mentioned in one of our commentaries that uh, I think this is going to end up being a three-parter and the way it, it, it concluded, uh, you know, to be continued uh, certainly seems as though it's, uh, I mean, a little bit like we had with, um, although it was the other way around, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I know what you're saying. Utopia and then mm -hmm. the other two. It's, it was like a three-part yeah. story, but... They're certainly closely linked. Uh, I just don't know where it's going to go next week, but it was certainly a fantastic cliffhanger. And uh, really, to me, that elevated this. I was, uh, the, the, the first part I enjoyed with just one or two reservations. Uh, this part, second part I enjoyed with three or four reservations. So I think I slightly enjoyed part one more, part two. But it wasn't like the, uh, the Daleks and Manhattan one that seemed to me to go astray in the second part it certainly held it and it's certainly one episode that you could easily see being shown as a uh, you know the two parts shown as a, like a, a Doctor Who movie almost a Doctor Who um, you know a special um, because it, it had that continuation the two uh, went from one to the other quite nicely but um, perhaps well certainly that's enough of me talking I'm sure you've got lots more to say well, just um, a couple of points, some interesting points about some of what, what the doctor had said. Um, he had once um, they he explains to Amy about they had switch shoes. He goes on to say, quote, it's vital that we learn about the flesh and we can only do it through your eyes. Speaking to Amy, end quote, you know, watching it the second time that takes on a different meaning as well, because can only, you know, learn about it going, you know, through her eyes. Now we know that her eyes are not what we think her eyes are. I mean, that, that she's a, uh, she's a flesh person as well. Mm. Um, and, uh, he also goes on later saying that, uh, that he needed enough, inf you know, he, he, um, he needed to see the flesh in their early stage. And that's, I guess why he came back to this time. And that's why he knew about the almost people being there and he needed to get enough information to block the signal to the flesh you know, to her. So I guess he can, you know, cut the signal. And that's when yeah. Amy... Um, Which, of course, meant that that tsunami was not, you know, that was subterfuge again, because he was going, it was going there anywhere where we thought he'd been taken off course, as it were. With yeah. That. 
which, which is interesting because when that, if I recall correctly, when that happens, there's a, and I made a mention about this in last week's episode, that it wasn't a, um, it wasn't the cloister bells that rang in the TARDIS. It was some sort of other klaxon that rings just when yeah. the doctor's about to say something. And we hear that same, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the same sound effect in this week's episode when um, th- th- there's a scene where the klaxon, where on, on this monastery, and it's the same sound effect. And I, I just think that they sh- you know, they should vary the sound effects somewhat because it just seems too coincidental to be the same exact sound effect that's on the TARDIS. Right. So um, that that would be my only um, technical pet peeve. It definitely, there. again, is uh, uh, Ken would definitely say this is one where you, you're going you're gonna to have to watch it a few times and there's definitely more to get out of it. Yeah, there's uh, a couple pieces of dialogue that was hard for me to hear, which I, I, I went back and replayed it and it was still hard for me to catch exactly what they're saying. So um, definitely needs to be rewatched and further analyzed and hopefully um, I can discern some of... Um, yes, the, the worst one for me was the one that Amy, when the doctors uh, uh, told Amy that the, the, they're not who she thinks she is and the, the Amy says something like, um, uh, you took me away from... Like a uh, home or whatever it was, and it's not really clear what she yeah, said, but it's I think that's some that, realization that yeah. she didn't really know the doctor as well as she thought she did. Well, exactly. They're, 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 I think it was that line and um, a couple other spots. Like even when um, Cleves first explains that she has a blood clot, she says something else, yeah. and it was hard to um, make out exactly what she had said. You know, we, we later learn and piece it together what, what's going on with her. But it, at first, I wasn't too sure. Yeah. And I don't know. I, you would think that if they, in this century, I know she said she was waiting for test results to come back and all that. But you would think in this century, if they can produce flesh, <laughs> if they had the technology to produce flesh that can take on such, um, you know, uh, human characteristics and all that, you would think that a, a blood cut would be something that they would be able to address. But again, maybe she was... That she was still waiting for the test results, but even that, you would think that would come sooner. But again, I'm nitpicking. Um, another interesting thing, though, is um, the doctor t- in the scene where we're led to believe it's the flesh doctor. Rory is insisting that we should go help his fellow humans and all that. That we can't let this happen, mm-hmm. and the doctor pushes him away and says, "Ring, ring." And pushes him away, and this is before the phone rings. And then the phone rings, and it goes ring, ring. So obviously the doctor knew the phone was going to ring. So that leads me to think, well, again, the doctor knows things before they're happening here. So Well, he'd set a time, he'd set a time delay on that phone call because he'd set the phone call up. How do we know he set the t- phone call up? Because he said, he said, he said, I'm, I'm, uh, Amy says to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm making a phone call. Oh. And he said, what are you All doing right. that for now? And he says, well, it's on a delay. Because he, he, he was trying to, to, to reach uh, the guy, uh, that is so, Jimmy, of see, course. See, this is why we need to watch it. I need to watch it again, because I, I, I missed that then. I, I, it rings a bell now that you mention it, but I, I need to kind of watch that and catch that again. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I've only I, seen it twice. The, 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 although you made the comment about the, the dialogue, you have to catch it. At least, the, although the music was there, it wasn't overpowering to the point where it intruded upon the dialogue. And there was certainly lots and lots of stuff there. I mean, one of the nice things about having the two doctors together was uh, 
again, I hadn't realised it immediately, but, the, you know, obviously the two doctors are almost telepathically linked because we know Time Lords have that ability, which is assumably how uh, the doctor got his ganger to agree to do that switch because there's no there's no dialogue evidence of that are they didn't do what they would normally do in a like a detective mm-hmm. film, you know a prior film where you know um, they'd show you the clip of what had happened in the background you know where the two you know make their plan because that was all done presumably without speech and that was why when the 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 Amy was telling the doctor who she thought was the real doctor and it wasn't it was the flesh uh, and then they come back into the other room. One doctor says to the did you get that? And he says, well, not as much as you did. But they're both sort of linked, which pre uh, is also the, the, the clue that one of the reasons why he's talking to Amy and occasionally says to her, breathe, breathe. and this, that, and the other. Uh, in actual fact, she's not only uh, one of Amy's expecting, she's actually in the, almost about to deliver. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, it's going to be pretty interesting once. Um, I I don't even know if we can say this after next week, but once this the the series concludes at the end of the second half, rewatching this again and and assuming that we we're going to be knowing more than we know now, it's going to be interesting watching you know pick it up on these things and watching it again. Yeah, well, I think they said they're going to end with a cliffhanger again, so we're not going to get all the answers. Man. Oh yeah, yeah, there, there definitely will be a cliffhanger between this half series and the second of the the second half of this series. So, um, mm. so yeah, so that's why that's why I'm saying it won't be the end of next week. It'll probably be that you know back I guess in November whenever this you know the second half of the series is going to end. Right. All right, well, I should remind people how to uh, call into the show. If you're listening to us live, our live number here while the show is live is 724-444-7444. The show call ID number that you'll need once you call in is 23358. And we also have a live chat session going on as we record this. So if you, the easiest thing probably would be to log in through talkshoe.com. It's, you can sign up for a free account there and you can join in on the chat session. If you don't, even if you don't want to call into the show, you can participate that way. And, uh, and if you are calling in this way, you can, uh, it, it, you get an added um, advantage of putting yourself in the queue so we know that you want to speak and we can get to you. And and as always, we'll, we'll take people in the queue with um, Podshock supporting subscribers will be bumped up into the queue. Uh, but what we're going to do right now is we're going to play another clip and then we'll get to, um, to uh, people in the queue. So without any further ado... Uh, hang on, you said that the TARDIS was stuck in acid, so won't she be damaged? Nah, she's a tough old thing. Tough, old, sexy. You know, tough, dependable, sexy. Sir John's calling the mainland. Are you receiving me, Captain? How are you doing? Storm's affected our gangers. They're running amok. Your gangers? Yes, our gangers are attacking us. We need you to take us off the island immediately and wipe them out. I'm sorry. What I said about you being almost a doctor is just, it's just really hard because I've been through so much with him. I've even seen, I've, I've even seen a moment of his, can you die? If you really are the same, then you can die. You can be killed and I might have seen that happen. You're dead. 
What? Hurry, me. It's all the I say. What? I can feel them. As they work each day, knowing the time was coming for them to be thrown away again. Not again. Please. And then they are destroyed and they feel death. And all they can say is why. Keep him away from me. Hey, this camera up. We've got a visual. That's Rory and Jennifer. They're heading for the thermostatic room. He can't go rescue them. I'm going. You know, I want him to go. Can't explain it to you now, but I need you to trust him. Can you do that for me, Amy? And what if you're wrong? Human source recognized. Thermostatic override granted. These temperature gauges are rising. Jennifer and Rory must have shut off the underground cooling vents. Why do that? They'll kill us. There's a million gallons of boiling acid under our feet. I know, it's heating up the whole island down until it blows. Gangers or no gangers, we need to get the hell out of here. Say again, what's the request? You need to reroute and pick us up from the courtyard. Give me the code word. Shuttle, the code word is bad boy. I repeat, bad boy. Copy that. Do you want us to take care of those gangers? Negative. They've all been incinerated. Well, I want to thank Dave once again for preparing those clips for us. Outstanding job, Dave, as always. Cheers. And, and Dave, did you have anything further? To, I didn't. Mean, I thought I might have cut you off by going into this clip too soon, um, not allowing you to give any any other thoughts that you might not have already given yet. Not really. Uh, as I say, uh, uh, the other thing uh, is that I, 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 I didn't really like that monster, uh, but it, maybe that was because it was put in for the younger viewers. Maybe they really liked that. Uh, uh, because you know they they want a little bit of a fright and so on, but I don't think it worked very well the way it was projected in that corridor. Uh, it was certainly in the it confidential. It wasn't necessary it for what better for the story. Yeah. It didn't. It was sort of just like give. They needed like a monster threat, you know, and uh, taking her out of human form, you know, gave people that that monster, you know, threat. But she could have just been in her human form and, and be just as forceful, you know. And and but I guess they wanted to illustrate her strength and might and that this you know yeah. like a melting wax figure would have looked better to me you know where she's sort of that, you know, yeah she's sort of drooping and sort of dripping mm -hmm. and yeah um and another point that we just heard in that clip is cleaves uh, with the password and all that somehow i think that she would be clever enough that she would realize that her doppelganger would probably guess the password and she probably I, I would have thought that she would have gotten maybe someone else to get to to come up with the password just to you know because she knows she she knows herself she knows her double ganger well enough that he she's going to think of what she's thinking so you would think that she'll be clever enough to not use herself as a source for that password bad boy we've got have we got a bad boy or a bad girl to go next <laughs> Well, we have uh, people in the queue. We're going to be taking them once again. Podshock supporting subscribers will be bumped up in the queue. And we can't do this show without your support. So we are always appreciative of your support. And it does make a tremendous difference so that we can continue with the show and, and hopefully grow the show. And to learn how to become a Podshock supporting subscriber, simply go to podshock.net or gallifrandomacy.org or arttrap.com. And there's a banner ad on the top there. And you can click on that. And that will 
tell you how you do how you can become a supporting subscriber for a low monthly subscription fee you'll be helping to support the show and you get extra content as well i know we've been doing these review shows so we haven't done any extra episodes recently but uh once we you know we got another review next week and then we can get some extra episodes out to you and um, and other benefits such as you know to show our appreciation such as bumping up in the queue here and if we have a special event you'll get discounts and um anything else that we can do to um to show our support so, you know, in appreciation for your support. So a big thank you to all our supporters. And uh, again, we can't do it without you. So to that end, let's see, in our queue, as far as supporting... Oh, and if you are a supporter and you're in the queue and I don't know that you won, that you're a supporter, please um, email me and, and let me know what your email is that you signed up with. Okay, so, but I think um, we have Kobo474... So, uh, I'm sorry, 4747. I thought it was um, 7474 last time. Uh, it's a ganga. I don't know. Let's, well, let's find out. Is this the real Kobo? Did you change your it username? Is it is 4747. Uh, was it always 4747? Yeah, and it's still with a C and not with a K. Did, 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 uh, you didn't change it then. No. Okay. All right. For some reason, I remember it being like four. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just glad to have you back. Welcome back to the show. Forty-seven is just my lucky number. And and we have it twice, so it twice is lucky. Uh, a double ganger number now. Yeah. <laughs> so. So you really enjoyed last week. I believe, I re- if I recall correctly, I hope this week um, continues that. Um, this week was, you almost have to give it two ratings, two ratings, one for the uh, first 30 minutes of the show, and then another one for the last, like, 15 or so. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you know yep. what I mean. Um, oh. the last 15 were definitely a five out of five. And I'm deadly curious to see where this is going because I have no idea. But the scene with the sonic screwdriver was amazing. Yeah. You're talking about the end scene. Yeah. And it's just... I was like, oh my god, did the doctor just kill a flesh version of Amy? Well, we, we obviously knew. Yeah, she was flesh at that point, but the way it's really that, shocking moment. Yeah, the way that Matthew Graham explained it is he did nothing more than hang up a phone from a phone call. Yeah, that, that that was the connection that the, the, to the flesh Amy. So was the real Amy controlling? Her flesh counterpart subconsciously. I don't know if she was in control. I know she. I mean, obviously, there's a link there that she was able to, um, you know, that that she was sort of linked, you know. But I don't know. I I I would think. I don't know. It's a good question. I would think so, but I don't know for sure. And at what point did real Amy get substituted for flesh Amy? 
I think it was at the sanatorium, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, you're saying it could be when? What can you say that again? At the orphanage or the sanatorium or whatever their place was? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. When she was alone. It certainly could be. When she went into that little well, room. Th- that's the, when uh, we first That's when we that. first see the eye patch lady was in that orphanage. But I, I have to say that, and, and again, I, I'm sorry if this gives away gives stuff away. Um, but uh, according to um, Stephen Moffat and Doctor Confidential, it's she's not who she, she's not the real Amy from the beginning of the series. I mean, again, you shouldn't have to watch Doctor Confidential to get this. But I'm just yeah. uh, one of the things I thought thought by the way is where, uh, there was a lot of talk when um, in the. Um, the impossible astronaut when they're having the picnic and uh, Amy's drinking a glass of wine and people are thinking she shouldn't be drinking wine if she's pregnant. So maybe that was the real Amy who's not, sorry, uh, perhaps that was the ganger who wasn't pregnant and already Amy had gone by then because um, the ganger's not pregnant, it's the real Amy that's pregnant. So she just had sympathy pains, mm-hmm. didn't she? Unless she is fully psychically integrated with the real Amy. There's definitely a link, yes. And do we know whether the kid inside her is the doctor's kid? Well, we don't know that at all. <laughs> we, we don't know. We, we, you're getting too far ahead now. <laughs> certainly. The, certainly We're led to believe that, yeah. I mean, that's the trailer, that's the breadcrumbs they're leaving, isn't it? The picture of Amy with the baby, the the girl who's obviously got some time lord in a sinner or something, or a tardy sinner, and now this uh, strange, sudden switcheroo at the end where Amy's in this birthing thing. They're pointing us that way. Has everybody seen the prequel before I say this? I haven't seen the prequel for next week, no. No, I haven't. Um, never mind that. <laughs> I was going to say something, but spoilers. <laughs> I, they purposely didn't show a trailer for next week, so I'm assuming, um, I don't, I mean, I'm assuming that the, the prequel would be, you know, avoiding spoilers. Slightly but, you know, spoilers, yeah. But I don't know for sure, yeah. And also... We have a returning baddie. I won't say who, but I'm very, very excited. Well, and that was given away in the uh, that was given away in the prequel, was it? Without saying what it was, that was part of the, the prequel. Not in the prequel, no. Oh, because I'm, I'm scared of watching I'm, it now. <laughs> another well, video clip on the DW website. Well, there was a. Um and I, you know, and again, this could be spoilery, but this was out there. This was, you know, out before the series began. There was a photograph with Rory and some people that we're familiar with. I, uh, <laughs> I'm avoiding it, but uh, there, there's a photograph that there was released with Rory and with, um, again, people that we're familiar Avoid with, it, yeah. um, which we haven't seen yet. So unless that's going to be in the second half of the series, but it's it's kind of would be kind of weird that they released that photo before this half of the series began, you know, if it's not going to be included. 
So I'm, we have to assume that they're returning in next story, uh, next episode. We'll see. Anything more about this particular episode? Let's keep on safe yeah. ground. Yeah. Um, going back to what I said in the Kogan Collective, I think it's either A, this kid's got Tom Lord DNA, or B, being conceived in the TARDIS, it got implanted with some Tom Lord DNA. Because I think the TARDIS is at least partly constructed of Time Lord DNA. Well, there's certainly some sort of sim- symbiotic yeah. relationship, isn't there, between the, there's a link or there between empathic relationship yeah. between the two. Well, I, I, again, we can you know speculate. We can take an old epi- We could take the whole episode of Doctor Who Parchak and speculate about what's going to happen. So we're going to try to you know keep our shows you know tied to reviewing the what we've just seen because um you know <laughs> we could to see a roundtable discussion with you and um Ken and James about exactly how the TARDIS is because it seems to have changed a lot just how sentient she is yeah it's it's always sort of been a character though it's sort of been somewhat forgotten for about you know for you know for periods of time but it goes back to like I said the first se- the first series with William Hartnell there's an episode Edge of Destruction which pr- pretty much sets up the TARDIS as a a um something with something that has independent thought so any any other thoughts about this particular episode the almost people and if amy has a flesh double does rory have a flesh double also yeah it's you're messing me with my head now <laughs> <laughs> Because and he, Rory was also well. If if that's the case, it was it wasn't the Rory that was on the TARDIS with Amy. Otherwise, he would have disintegrated with Amy. So, it, it, if he does, it would have to be elsewhere. Yeah, it would. Do you think we'll see the Flesh Doctor again? Well, anything's Certainly. possible. I don't. I obviously there's more to the storyline, so I think we'll see. There's more. We'll see more Flesh. <laughs> It sounds like we're talking about porn here. <laughs> I'd love a list of your and Dave's favorite episodes of the classic series because I've been just picking episodes by and large at random. Well, many times we get people that call into our show asking for our favorites, and in, in past episodes, we were um, both Ken, James, and I would run off some of our recommendations on, you know, favorites on you know to choose from. So, if you, if you don't catch it in our um, past episodes, we will probably uh, you know sometime in the future run through that again. But um, but for now, I'm gonna um, wrap things up here so we can get to other callers and uh, any other final thoughts. I- on on the almost I think, people, I think the almost people cliffhanger was infinitely better than last week's cliffhanger because it was a true cliffhanger. There was no telegraphing there at all. Yeah, it's interesting. I so mean, it was almost like I said, two different episodes. Mm-hmm. 
And it was kind of fun because I introduced somebody to Doctor Who with the Rebel Flesh and also the Almost People. So it was fun seeing his reaction to the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then watching somebody sing Matt Smith for the first time is an absolute joy. It really is. I guess it's not so much Matt Smith as it is watching somebody see the doctor for the first time. Because we all we almost forget how magical that is, really. Yeah. So how okay. would how, what was your TARDIS uh, rating for this? The first half of the episode was a strong three and the last like 15 minutes or so was definitely a five out of five. <laughs> so you almost have to give it two. Okay. All right. Well, thank you once again, Kobo. And um, I'm glad you were able to join us again. No problem, Lewis. And um, hopefully you'll be back next week. Probably. Okay. Well, cheers, mate. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. We do have another supporting subscriber that is um, somewhat caught in limbo that is um, we would take, but he, he's not showing up on the queue for me. So I, it's, it's impossible for me to um, to get him here if he's not showing up on my uh, TalkShoe live console here. And um, so I apologize if, if as soon as you show up, because he's saying in chat that he's in the queue, but... He's not showing up for me in the queue, so there's nothing for me to unmute. So I, I do apologize if you do um, come through. We'll we'll get you on. So, uh, but as Dave had reminded me before this episode began, we do have another clip that we want to play before the end of the episode because it has pertinent information to it. So let's um, play another clip while maybe um. In that time, you'll get yourself in the queue. You are amazing, and yet I misjudged you. But you're not him, I'm sorry. Amy, we swap shoes. I'm the doctor, and I'm the flesh. You can't be. You're the real him. No, I'm not, and I haven't been all along. I'm the original doctor, Amy. We had to know if we were truly the same. It was important, vital. We learn about the flesh, and we can only do that through your eyes. Push Amy, but only when she tells you to. My death arrives, I suppose. But this one we're not invited to. Fun? Nothing. Uh, your molecular memory can survive this, you know. It may not be the end. I'm staying. This is not the time for grand gestures. This is the king of grand gestures. This is my factory. I'm not going anywhere. Clear off out of here, the lot of you. This will dissolve. And us too. There may be a way back from this. From being vaporized, how? I don't know. Let's find out, eh? What is happening to her? She's having a baby. I needed to see the flesh in its early days. That's why I scanned it. I needed enough information to block the signal to the flesh. What signal? The signal to you. Stand away from her, Rory. But I need to do this and you need to stand away! Doctor, I am frightened. I'm properly, properly scared. Don't be. 
We're coming for you, I swear. Whatever happens, however hard, however far, we will find you. I'm right here. No, no, you haven't been here for a long, long time. You're ready to pop, aren't you? Little one's on its way. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> or I should say, Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, you're ready to pop, aren't you? <laughs> and this birthing pod, if we're, we're, that's what we're calling it, uh, <laughs> is is even colder and, and um, than than what we saw at the end of um, um, Re- um, Revenge of the Sith. You know, with um, with um, that birth scene. If if you're a Star Wars fan, there when you had droids delivering um, twins there. Here, it's sort of, it looks like a, a well, it looks like a loo. She looks like she's about to uh, drop it in the toilet. <laughs> oh dear! I hope George has a better time of it. I mean, it looks like an airplane. Recept- you know, when you go to oh, never mind. It looks like one of those. Uh, it just doesn't look. Yeah. In, doesn't, it doesn't look like something you want to invite a new being into the world in. <laughs> Not that a hospital ER room is any better, but it's definitely um. Charlie's girl is saying, "Stop while you're ahead." I think there, Louis. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, I don't think that that technical snafu has been worked out yet. As far as he's still not showing up in in the queue there. If you if you're trying to connect, I'm using myself. Uh, I used to recommend Gizmo Five, but unfortunately, uh, Google bought up Gizmo and um, discontinued it. Unfortunately, so and there isn't like another app. Uh, they didn't replace it with another. Uh, they discontinued it. But there's other apps out there. Um, I'm using Zopier, if, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, which you can connect via SIP to uh, TalkShoe. But they, TalkShoe themselves has a shoe phone, which um, you, you can use. I'm not sure how well that works. I haven't used it myself. And um, there are other ways to connect. You can Well, obviously, you can connect via a regular phone, or you can use a um, Skype, too. But I think the, you need Skype out minutes for that. Because it's a, it counts as a regular call. It's not Skype doesn't use um, SIP to connect. SIP is a way is a um, internet protocol which you can connect directly without calling out to landlines at all. So um, and that's usually free. I should remind you the number is seven two four 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 seven four four four, and our call ID number for the show is two three three five eight. So get yourself in the queue now. And um, speaking of reminders, I also remind you about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, comedy, romance, sci-fi, and more. In fact, if you go to their website, you can see all their categories listed. And they do have sci-fi and fantasy as one of the categories. And if you click on that, that will bring you to, obviously, their sci-fi and fantasy, fantasy section. But on the top there, you'll see a listing of subsections of that, which includes Star Trek. They have like 81 titles of Star Trek. They also have Star Wars, which has 129 titles of Star Wars. But they also have something else called Doctor Who. And 
guess how many titles they have there? 174 of just Doctor Who. That's not even counting Torchwood or Sarah Jane or other related Doctor Who titles, but just Doctor Who, 174. That's even more than Star Wars and even more than Star Trek. So they definitely, Audible definitely is showing some love for Doctor Who. So if you want some good audio dramas to listen to and audio books, uh, Audible is a place to go. And you can get a free audio book um, for listeners of Dr. Hupachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook to download with a free 14-day trial, and that's yours to keep, um, and this gives you a chance to check out their service. So to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchuck. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchuck for your free audiobook. And um, we're, don't have, we're, I'm not going to make any direct recommendations. Uh, you can pick anything you like, but you can um, check out the Doctor Who selections there. They, they have, uh, lo- as I said, lots of titles. In fact, let's see anything, um, maybe something new that might have be of interest. Um, well, you know what? Just check them out. You can go to that URL and um, you can browse their selection even before um, you know trying them out. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audio book. All right, so let's head back to the queue. And first up in the queue is uh, Darth Skeptical. Hello, Darth. Hello, good sir. How are you? Very good. Very good. I, I, I gave you that pause there to give the talk show um, women time to speak. To. And it was just the right amount of pause, if I can say <laughs> so. That was delightful. Yeah, you know, I really did enjoy this episode. I thought it delivered on the promise of uh, the first part. I think it's probably one of the most satisfying second parts in the history of new Doctor Who. Um, there, are, I, I, the less you know, I keep thinking of what was better than this in terms of a second part, and I, I guess, you know, I, I definitely would put Doomsday up there because that's that's quite a final moment and has a lot of moving parts in it that all of them are pretty satisfying. Uh, probably, um, you know, Doctor Dances. That's also a really good, satisfying second part. But there's not been a hell of a lot recently, except for maybe you know, Day of the Moon was certainly a, a nice second part. Uh, but from like last year, uh, there's no comparison. I mean, there's uh, there was nothing really last year that was all that great, uh, except you know, the Time of Angels two part was pretty good, and it was certainly satisfying enough at the end. But it still had a relatively simplistic ending. I mean, the Doctor just turns the gravity switch on, and there's your ending. Um, this was slightly more complex. I think uh, what I really enjoyed about it was the moral complexity of. Um, Everybody here, I mean, really just about everybody in this dynamic, in this, you know, doubled situation had a a different point of view. Um, And so it was interesting to see, you know, um, our our team leaders, uh, as you put out, uh, pointed out, Lewis, how she switched over from being sort of badass in episode one to being much more complex in episode mm-hmm. two, um, and how her, her doppelganger also sort of sway, you know, she was the one who seemed to be starting the war in episode one, but by episode two, she's um, realizing her own humanity because of the uh, defects she's inherited from her progenitor. Um, and, you know, we have 
the fatherhood story going on. That's really good. We have Amy, who doesn't know she's a doppelganger, and so therefore she has a completely different reaction. We have uh, Jennifer, who you know seems sweetness and light really in episode one, but turns out to be quite the manipulative, let's just face it, bitch in part two. Um, and so there's lots of different things that are going on, and I, I think that there's... Although there are some defects in the plot, perhaps, in part two, where things are coming at you in sort of unexplained ways, I think that the theme is developed rather magnificently in part two. And and you're left thinking, wow, I've been introduced to a really interesting concept that is reminiscent of a lot of different science fictional concepts, but is, as a whole, unique. Um, or, or at least, it certainly is very different than anything in Doctor Who, and, and in most major franchises of the last 20 years. I mean, it's not—it's sort of Avatar, but it's not completely Avatar. It's sort of Blade Runner, but it's not completely Blade Runner. You know, it's—it mm-hmm. is its own entity. And uh, certainly, one of the most intriguing scenes for me in the entire episode was a really simple one—that that last shot of uh, the remaining people from St. John's Island, or Abbey, or whatever St. John's refers to, um, going into the uh, their home office, I yeah. guess, to give a press conference or to talk. The concept that, you know, the ganger problem, the political mm-hmm. thing, the political football that is the ganger situation, is not resolved it automatically sets you up for some kind of sequel. Mm-hmm. And if we find, you know, two years from now that suddenly we're in India and there are 10 million gangers around us, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'd also be quite delighted. I think that this is, for our age, what Tenth Planet was for the 1960s, in a way. Well, the uh, doctor himself says that he needed to see the flesh in their early stage, so we know that yeah. what we're seeing in that, that, that line in its alone makes us yeah. believe that that we're going to see the flash in their later stage later on at some point so he needed to see the flash in their early stage so um i imagine yeah i think even before the series concludes we're we're going to see more of the flash i absolutely i mean we must simply because you know we have this connection with amy but uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised after we're done with this story yeah. arc mm-hmm. this is something that we might revisit because let's face it it's cheap to do i mean it's a little bit of odo makeup and um, it's a little bit of cgi that's not that complicated really um and uh, it's it's a concept that lends itself to dramatic storytelling so it's pretty i would say certain that no. it's going to come back now the problem i have with that is that it's basically the Zygons, really, isn't it? And I think, I think well, I that and, and also the, a bit of the Cybermen as well. You know, well, exactly. bodies. I mean, I think, like I said, I think this is definitely sort of a tenth planet for our generation. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, it's and a realistic fear. Yeah, sorry, was sorry. wasn't even the Cybermats mentioned? Didn't the didn't Doctor? It, yeah, it talked about sci- as as a way to understand what the other Doctor mm-hmm. remembered or knew. Yeah, he throws out Cybermat, and the other one tells him how to defeat Cybermats as a sort of code language. And who knows if that's a prefiguring comment or not, but yeah, there's certainly, there, to me, there's definitely the vibe of what Tin Planet was trying to achieve with mm-hmm. the Cyberman in this, and, and I think this is much more successful because there's the, the really more interesting emotional anchors to to put ourselves around. But 
like I said, I think it, it's somewhat problematic for me because, like David Tennant, I love the Zygons, and I think like many many Doctor Who fans, yeah. you know, Terror of the Zygons was a uniquely challenging episode because it was so well designed, except for maybe the Loch Ness monster, mm-hmm. um, that it, it left an indelible impression. And you, we, I think many people want the Zygons back more than. Other recurring monsters, or, or uh, rather than yeah. recurring monsters, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that's at all likely now. Because how could you differentiate the Zygons from this and yet keep them still be Zygons? So it's a little bit sad for me because it's sort of the death knell for that concept. But on the other hand, it's exciting because it is actually really well executed and quite well done. So uh, I I think this is a great addition to the. Um, new monsters um, that we've gotten from the new series. And for me, this is what Stephen Moffat was all about, as far as I was concerned. I wanted him to be the the producer that came in there and there really gave us new monsters. And I think this season has been beautiful for that. Seriously beautiful. I mean, so far we haven't had anything that, that's from the past. Now, we might be getting some soon. Mm-hmm. We don't know the details of the future necessarily, um, but you know it, it is rather remarkable that here we are six episodes in to a series and we haven't had a recurring monster yet. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's great, and and I love that. And mm-hmm. so that's certainly a part of my great appreciation for this episode. Now, I think also another thing that's working really well here is Matthew Graham again proving himself to be really good at writing dialogue really good at writing dialogue. Um, just stuff going on left, right, and center. So many gems of dialogue within this episode, just as, as with last week. And, and as within Fear Her. Fear Her is a very quotable episode in terms of, you know, again, defining the relationship of the Doctor and Rose. Um, this one, too, gives us just tons of just amazing stuff. Like, I was half scared and then followed by just fall down laughing with stuff that was going on. So great, great dialogue. I, I think if there's a weakness to the episode, it, it's perhaps that Matthew Graham is, you know, either a student or at least a colleague in the uh, Stephen Moffat School of Storytelling, which says once every five minutes, put up an unexplained image on the screen and then walk away from that image. Um, but make sure that that image is shocking and interesting. For instance, you know, the, the teaser sequence, I think any Doctor Who fan is going to love. You know, it's great. It's got all these callbacks to the uh, former Doctors. But then it ends with the Ganger Doctor in whiteface. But mm-hmm. it's not quite, you know, it's not quite the Odo mask that he was in at the, la- at at the, the cliffhanger yeah. last time. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite what, you know, the other Gangers have going on. It's something different. But then we never see that again. Why, why is the doctor able to stabilize him, his gang herself? Whereas the other characters, you know, keep flipping back and forth between human and Odo face. Well, and, and la- this that- is just pure speculation, unless it's what mm-hmm. Dave was touching upon before with uh, some sort of psychic link between, you know, the, the, yeah. that, that maybe the other, maybe the, the, the human, not the human, the Time Lord doctor was helping him in some respect, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. But it, but it is, you know, again, it's one. Of, it's a shocking image. You know, you go out to the titles on it, but yet you never see that again. So it's like, well, why did you go through that? Well, because it's just a shocking image. And that's, you know, the horse in 
girl in the fireplace and you know basically everything that happens in big bang is just you know one ridiculously interesting shot after another but no real connection between the two and i think you know another thing is the, the sort of a red herring throughout the episode is all that business about trying to get off the island and the helicopter coming down i mean you know it's interesting it's diverting but at the end of the day it's rather silly because you know the doctor is going to take them off Anyway, the doctor wasn't about to leave without his TARDIS. He's not going to leave his TARDIS to be in the center of a, you know, a, an acid-based explosion or whatever. Um, he was always going to find the TARDIS, and then he was always going to invite people off the island. So why there's all that business of trying to get a helicopter there, it's kind of silly. You know, and... and you know, whatever, fine. It, it added some drama. But again, it's not something that, if you really look at it, terribly makes sense. I think, too, the, the Jennifer creature at the end, I mean, I kind of get it why it's there from a dramatic standpoint because mm -hmm. it, it, you know, forces a last stand situation. Yeah. And it is explained, you know, starting in episode one where she's stretching her body and doing all these things. But yeah. It, it's kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it, it was the queen alien at the end of aliens. It was, the, you know, that's really, it, it's just, they needed yeah. a monster. Yeah. Or, or, you know, just to quote Matthew Graham, it's the father in the closet at the end of fear her. Mm -hmm. Basically the same thing again. So whatever. I mean, I, I get why it's there. It does add, you know, it gives the opportunity for some pretty good lines, a, a nice dramatic situation at the end. But, I think I would have preferred, I don't know, something else. You know, maybe trying to um, stop the explosion from happening but failing or something else that would have added some dramatic tension at the end. But, you know, maybe it was just there for kids too. Who knows? But, again, a little bit of plot problems, a little bit of plot mechanics that you can sort of pick apart, but nothing terribly serious. Uh, and there were some, besides those those obvious lines that the in the teaser were, were callbacks to earlier Doctor Who, I think that there are some very subtle things that are going on that are callbacks too, if you're really truly a geek about things. For instance, the eyes, the wall of eyes. Well, that's, if you want to be a geek about it, that's a subtle callback to Marco Polo and the, you know, the episode title, Wall of 500 Eyes. Um, but you really have to be geek to go that far <laughs> to find it. And I am. So there we are. The, the, and, the episode doesn't even exist. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> no, it's so it's, it's ultra, it, ultra geek. <laughs> it is ultra hardcore. Yeah. And then, um, the other thing that's sort of hardcore geek too that I love is that the island or the base or the abbey, we're not quite sure which, but the facility is called St. John. And of course, the decal on the sticker on the TARDIS, St. John ambulance, yeah. you know, they're looking for evacuation and evacuation comes from the person who's got St. John's ambulance on his TARDIS, mm -hmm. which I thought was, that's kind of cool because they could have named it anything. Yeah. So that that one I think is actually quite specific to the doctor. The other one might Ooh, just be cool. Right yeah. uh, but I, I quite like that little detail. Um, but yeah, just just gorgeous. And that, you know, I think I'm a, I'm quite opposed to what Kobo said because for me, uh, you know, I I very much enjoy the last five minutes or ten minutes or whatever the the uh, the cliffhanger part of it we're going to call the denouement. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but. I really, really like the actual meat of the story, um, and I hope 
that the concept of the gangers is not wasted later on in the series. And, and I hope that by the end of it, we come to think, uh, wow, that was just that was just lovely, you know, and the ramifications are, are explored uh, to great effect later on. Uh, my sort of kooky theory of the week, to borrow a phrase from another podcast, um, is I think there's something about the name of the company. I have I just sort of thought about this, so I haven't actually had time to explore it. But the name of the company is so weird, I don't even remember it. Yeah, it, but they took the time. The, it was the name on the door, right, when they were at the office? Yeah. Yeah, and, and even that had an alien feel to it because it reminds me of like the beginning of Aliens, where, yeah, exactly. And why would the art department have been charged with coming up with a logo, unless it's important? And mm-hmm. I kind of think there's something about the name. Maybe it's an anagram, or maybe just later on we're going to meet I think the person yeah. whose name it is, or something. But it just seems like. I mean, I know that they, they do a lot of detailed work. I know the art department is fabulous on Doctor Who and all that. But it just, they, they said it a number of different times. And it was and, displayed and then, in such. a logo for it. It was displayed as such that we're going to see it again, perhaps that logo. I hope. I hope yeah. that we're going to in, in some way meet it uh, or meet the person or, or something. It comes back to us. Because it's really weird. I wish I could remember the name. I can't remember the name now, but it is very weird. It's probably and Welch. I, I don't know. Morphant, truculent. I mean, it's like two words that just don't don't go together at all. But yet, it sounds like it could be a name, but a German name. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was weird. Uh, so, eh, a lot of interesting things. Really good. Um, I'll give it a five. Just give the whole story a five because I, I was very entertained throughout and. It, the the problems that I have with it aren't that big um, to to make me braid it down really mm-hmm. at all because it's just just a fabulous ride and can I just say I am really starting to like the acting work of Karen Gillan more uh, consistently mm-hmm. more not just occasionally more but consistently more and quite frankly there is no actor who has ever played a Doctor's companion who does a better scream than her. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. And we heard it again at the very end of this episode. And it's just, but it's terrifying to watch. That's the thing about her is that, you know, there are other actors who have good quality screams. Like, if you listen to Bonnie Langford, which not many people do these days, (laughs) but if you do listen to her, it's a good scream. It's a high quality scream in terms of the actual auditory experience. If you listen to, you know, Victoria, good quality scream. If you listen to Sarah Jane, good quality scream. But when you watch uh, Karen Gillan scream, it's terrifying to watch it because she looks properly scared. Yeah. So Terrified. Love that about her. Mm-hmm. We've got the name of the factory in text there. Oh yeah, Morbid From- Jetson. What the hell kind of name is that? Thank you, it's, it's probably yeah, like you. a law firm type of thing where there's two last names, two surnames combined to, into one, perhaps. I guess, but man, that is, uh, that is, it's just suspiciously weird. I mean, when I saw it, I was just like, uh, so that's, uh, oh, what's his name? Tovey. Uh, you know how the master used to be, or Anthony Ailey used to yes. be credited by different names. Exactly. Uh, just not to give it away. I, was, I looked at it and I was like, what? Morbid <laughs> Jetson? What the hell is that? 
Do you not think it's a, an anagram of the writer's name, are you then, or something? I don't know. I'd have to plug that into an anagram finder to yeah. figure out. We're going to have to put it through the back computer. Sure thought about that. Yeah, the back, <laughs> through the back computer for the readout on that one. But yeah, anyway, don't want to take up any more time. But that lovely, lovely stuff, so that was a great episode. Well, thank you, as always, Darth. And have thank a you, sir. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. Oh, and to you, too. Well, thank you. We do have someone in the queue, but we're going to get to Tardis Girl first. Um, there, there is someone in the queue that it's we come don't. Up. It's come up, Phantom Jester. The, I still have it as just one. No, you, you, sorry. You have anagram. a name. The anagram. Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about Morph. the an. Oh. <laughs> Morpher, Phantom Jester. Phantom Jester. Okay, that could be. Um, Something to ponder a pound. And that's from uh, a thread on Digital Spy. Um, uh, somebody called uh, Macreel. Yeah, we don't need a back computer when you got Doctor Who fans out there that will <laughs> that analyze and and um, every aspect of a new episode as soon as it's released. So it's um, all good stuff. Um, so I should just remind people that when you call, uh, if you're Going into the queue, if, um, if 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 you're calling in rather, and if you're not on TalkShoe, uh, TalkShoe you can get a free account there, and if by logging in via TalkShoe with your free account, you can put yourself in the queue, so we know that you want to speak. Because if you're just calling in, you just show up as a number, and we don't know if you want to if you're just listening or if you want to speak. So we're gonna get to Tardis Girl, and then we'll find out whether or not this mystery caller, not to be confused with mystery presenter wants to speak or not. Okay, let's hear from Tardis Girl. Welcome back to Dr. Who Podshock. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me back. Welcome back. And what did you think of um, the Almost People? I thought it was a pretty good follow-up of last week's episode. Um, the only part that I didn't really understand was why Rory willingly went to help the... Um, Jennifer. Why? Why did he willingly? Why he went to go help her? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the Jennifer, human Jennifer, or the the flesh Jennifer? Well, I don't think he noticed right away, but she didn't. Yeah. I would have noticed already right, because her voice kept like. Well, I. I don't think he knew the human Jennifer that well enough to discern the difference between, um, you know, easily to, to discern the difference between the, uh, the human and the flesh. So yeah. I, I think, you know, he was originally, I think, going, um, I, I think, you know, before he obviously in the last episode, he was assumed it was the human Jennifer until there's a bathroom scene there. And, um, you know, we, he learns that. It's not the human Jennifer, but then he develops a um, relationship with the flesh Jennifer as well. So I, I think you know, he, you know, he said it himself that the doctor wants everyone to live, and I think that's where he was coming at it from as well. That he was really trying to help either or, or both, really. And um, yeah, I think that's that's where he was coming from. Okay, yeah, it's just it's really confusing how like why is Rory. And she made it really obvious to me, um, well, like her voice, um, 
persuading him. And it's like one of those death, desperate voices, like, come on, let's do this. And how she, like, grabbed his hand and put it right on the scanner. It's like, can't, Lori, can't you tell that she's forcing you to do this? She forced you to put your hand on the scanner. Well, yeah, I I think he was just sort of in the moment, you know, and, um, you know, he's just being rushed. And I, I don't think he was thinking it all out. Like, you know, why did she want me to put my hand on the scanner? I think, you know, she just said, first do this. And she actually took his hand and put him there. And then, you know, he went and started, um, you know, turning that wheel, whatever. So I, I don't really. Th- I think it was sort of like when you're in the moment, you sometimes you don't stop and think, and you just do. You know, because he was assuming that was the human Jennifer, and it was you know not because he saw the other. He saw what he thought was the only flesh one dissolve. Yeah. Um. Another thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people point this out really, but um. When the gangster um, doctor um, hugs Amy for the last time, he whispers to her, um, um, push, but only when she tells you to. Mm -hmm. It makes me think, how does he know? Well, obviously, there's more to this than we know as the audience. There's more uh, that, um, you know, that that we haven't seen yet, you know. So I, I tend to think there's something that happens between the end of last series and, and this series that we haven't, you know, pre- we're not privy to yet. So, you know, but there's the doctor knows about it and us, the audience don't, doesn't know about it. And I don't even don't know how much Rory knows about it either. <laughs> I don't think he knows it. Well, I don't think he knows it either because I think he was thinking that was the real Amy all along. So I think he, you know, but we'll find out more as time goes on. I hope. Yeah. Um, but I just saw the preview for the next episode, which um, I won't see in two weeks because of BBC America. Um, the only reason why I got to see it this week was because of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it um, have you seen a preview yet? Because I don't want to. No, I haven't seen the the the, the yeah. quote prequel. Which technically isn't a prequel yet, since it's but it's what they're calling a prequel. And presumably they made it separate on purpose, but yeah, yeah. They they because they announced at the end credits that there was the prequel available on the website. But I'm afraid to go to the website. There was we had gotten some feedback. <laughs> we have gotten some feedback in this past week that there were spoilers on the on the official Doctor Who website that people were upset that they saw. So. I, as a general rule, I don't recommend, and I hate, I hate saying this, but I don't recommend people going to the Doctor Who official site during, you know, new episodes because it's not the first time that this has happened where they, there's a photo that's up there that really gives away too much or something like that. It's just, it happens. Yeah, but the It implies whose child it is. That's all I'm going to say. It just implies. It doesn't tell you directly, but it implies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Thank <laughs> you. I thought it was a pretty good 
follow up, as I said, but alone, I would give it a 4.5 charge ground. Okay. Uh, together, um, both of the episodes, the whole story, I would give it a 4. Um, just because the first episode could have been better, as I said last week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thanks for calling in. I, uh, I'm assuming you'll be, hopefully you can join us next week and see where this all goes. Hopefully. Thank you. Okay. Have a nice day. Well, have a, a, a good holiday weekend if you're celebrating it. Yeah. Well, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for keeping on the call. Okay. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, we have. Uh, I was informed that uh, Andre, who's in the, uh, he's trying to be in the queue, but for some reason, for some reason he's not. I don't know what's going on with Talkshoe, but um, we're going to get him on, and then we'll we'll see about this mysterious other caller. But uh, just to kind of clarify what uh, I had said before about prequels. Prequels are are episodes that are released after the fact, and that's why they're prequels. If if that if they come before, if they're released before the actual. You know, in order, it's not a prequel. Then it's it's just a, <laughs> it's a prologue, if you will, but it's not a, a prequel. Prequel is um, something that is a episodic form that comes after the fact. You know, like the Star Wars prequels came after four, five, and six were released, so those were prequels. Otherwise, they're not prequels; they're just prologues. Or uh, um, well, I didn't take it like that. I just thought they meant that prequels weren't necessarily going to be actually contained within the episode itself when the episode aired. In other words, it's sort of separate material, but it, it, it gives you a clue as to what's coming up. So it can be, it is before, but in before, but it's not then actually going to be in the main event. It's a separate thing. But yeah, anyway, in other words, like if, if you're like the Planet of the Apes series, they had an ep- they had a um, I think it was Escape from Planet of the Apes was a prequel, but that was released after the Planet of the Apes. That a prequel is something that comes that's released after the actual um, episode, and then it's it's um, then released well, it's afterwards. Set in time before it. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, it's complicated. <laughs> let's get Andre on. Hello, Andre. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. The more important question is, can you hear me? Because I've been listening to you for the last half hour on my phone. Well, um, I'm glad you're listening, and welcome to talk to you, Pachak. Outstanding. <laughs> okay, I just have one thing. Well, I have a couple of things to say, but one thing I'm not sure whether or not you talk about. Okay, the doctor and the ganger doctor swap shoes, although they really don't say when. And the ganger doctor goes and gets set on the oil drum by himself immediately after coming back into the uh, into the hallway after basically mauling slightly Amy. All right? No. Didn't Amy in the hallway basically tell him about his death? That was the real doctor that she told. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know. This is obviously going to have some effect later in the episodes. At least that's my opinion of it. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a very well, you know, thought out and planned out episode, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I feel sorry for the actors trying to keep them all, keep all the storyline straight in their heads while 
you know, learning, uh, learning it all. <laughs> I'm sure Stephen Moffat well, has it all like a, a chart somewhere <laughs> where it's like all the timelines uh, are drawn out and you can see, you know, so they, they know when they're acting who and where they are with it. Well, if they have that, I hope to God it's a whiteboard. Yeah, it would have to be. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, just great job. You know, I personally, when it comes to ratings, I never give out fives. (laughs) So what's the point of having a five? So for you, a four is a five. So let me me clarify (laughs) slightly more. All right. Giving out a five should be a rare occasion. You know, not even once a season, possibly. Well, you know if it, if mean? it qualifies, it qualifies. It, it shouldn't be the determined. Life, to me, would qualify as a five. Okay. Right. But you know, this wasn't on the same level, in my opinion, as the Doctor's Wife. So, combining the two stories together, I would have to go with four. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, just based on that. But yeah, you know, it was. A, you know, when you put the two episodes together, it. it really classic and when i say classic you know obviously pre you know pre-break doctor who where you know you know it's just uh still rather still excited from seeing it it's nice to have a two-parter that doesn't isn't a big letdown isn't it uh no the letdown is is the fact that I'm not even supposed to have seen it yet due to the BBC America's <laughs> prohibition. Indeed. Well, you can forget it before next week and then watch it again. Just clear it out of your memory. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, you know, and I hope that everybody that you know went and snuck and had an sure, very drop-off. Any, anyone that can receive you know, and watches BBC again. America should On watch it. BBC America. Everyone should watch it next week. If you, got, if you have access to BBC America, you should watch it again. And if not, go over somebody else's house that has it. Sure. All right, gentlemen. Uh, thanks a lot. And I'm going to just go back to listening through the computer. And, well, thank you. Uh, and, uh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, again, for, thanks for letting us know that you wanted to speak because you weren't showing up in the queue. Oh. You know, okay. Squeaky wheel and all that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Cheers. And we wish Andre a happy uh, Memorial Day weekend. There's uh, this one mystery um, person on the line. We're just going to find out whether he or she wishes to speak because um, we don't know. And then we've got a couple of ratings in text. If you want some, uh, we've got Captain Rum giving it four and a half out of five. Seventh Doctor giving it uh, four and a quarter out of five. Text is scrolling off. I'm not seeing too many others here. Oh, you're moving about, people. Stop moving about. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Sonic Sam, four and a half. And we also, you can go to our website, net, and you can rate it there as well. I know. Um, oh, yeah. There's, um, I haven't checked what the ratings are as of yet. Um, let's see. Right? S. Michael, 68, four out of five. Right now, it's tied on our website. Between five and four TARDIS groans. Actually, it's a three-way tie. Oddly enough, there's a uh, uh, two TARDIS groans. Is um, the sampling still rather low? So if you go to Podshock.net, you can uh, you know vote there and how many TARDIS groans you would give it. So um, 
someone actually gave it zero. I don't know. I, so wow. Don't know why. And Kavanos, uh, four out of five. All right, so let's find out um, if this person wants to speak or not. Hello, did you want to speak online on on air, I should say? If you've actually got me, then uh, hopefully, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, thank you for. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, mind white. By the way, I am in the chat. Oh, you're just showing up as a one on the text. That's because I'm calling from my international number. I've only used uh, TalkShoe this one time. I've never actually used it before. Oh, okay. So, well, welcome to the yeah, show, no, and no, I apologize for keeping you hanging there. We just weren't sure yeah, who you were. Yeah, I internationally via um, my usual landline and stuff like that. But it's nice to be on the show and stuff. I've listened to many of Podshock and stuff. It's nice to actually be on here, you know, um, uh, do my own show and stuff like that. So, it's you know, it's good. The main reason I'm calling is because I agree. A lot of the stuff that has been said, you know, from Darth and uh, TARDIS Girl and all the other peeps you've had on board, as well as what you've said yourself, is pretty valid. You know, it's, it's one of those episodes with uh, the almost people that's classic Doctor Who, yet strange in itself, because there's so many um, points of interest that make you think, as well as being inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found pretty unusual is the fact that Rory uh, all of a sudden decided to jump on board with this Gen character. You know, after being so devoted after the last series and stuff to, uh, you know, Amy and stuff like that, to all of a sudden see another interest. And I think a lot of people speculated that there's, oh, was there another lover interest on the horizon here and stuff like this? And, like, is he going to cheat on her and stuff? You know, that kind of aspect. And at the same time, he gets duped because he's just exploiting his humanity that he's learned from the Doctor. Well, I, I saw him as just being compassionate. I didn't really see him exactly, as yeah. as having a love interest or a, a you know the, an attraction there. I thought it was just more as a, a you know you got to know a fellow human being, even if it's not really a real human. You know, I just thought, yeah. and especially him I, as I, a nurse, you would think that he would be a compassionate person. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, when I first saw the episode, uh, I actually thought that same thing. It's just because I had to explain it to my, you know, family members who were watching it with me, and I'm there going, "He's a nurse. He's a male nurse. He's being compassionate and stuff like that because he's seeing as people in need and stuff." But the one thing is, I was quite surprised at how quickly he just like, it's like, "No, I'm doing this, whether you like it or not, Amy." And up until this point, we, pardon the expression, but. I've never seen Rory with any balls. <laughs> I was going to say backbone, but yeah, that... that. Well, yeah, that was the same, the same analogy, I suppose, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was that part of it. And then there was the... What was the one thing that got me the most with uh, this episode? Let me call it my notes here, because I've been listening to all the other calls while I've been waiting. Um, <laughs> sorry. But um, it's like... The other thing that I think a couple of the guys you've had call in was like, the doctor changes shoes. How did he do that so quickly that nobody noticed? Because they were all in the same room at the same time, and there was never really any separation between them for where they had a moment of their own. Yeah, I where they were behind that console, where the two doctors were talking behind that console, and they were looking ah, down behind it. Right. That's what I thought. That probably wouldn't make a lot of sense, but you, obviously because we never saw it on camera, we mm-hmm. obviously have to just speculate on it, of course. Um. But the one thing that's been prominent throughout all the calls you've had, that I, this is the reason why I actually called in, is the fact that everybody's going on about these prequels that we've seen throughout the 11th series. Like, watch the prequel on the Doctor Who website. By the way, the prequel for the um, 
a good man goes to war, watch it because it doesn't give away any spoilers, but it's a good dramatic opening before the episode airs. It really doesn't oh, give any away spoilers. Thank you, thank no, you for that. There are no spoilers on the okay, Doctor Who website. Well, I know, I've been checking it all day. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I'm gl <laughs> glad for the heads up. <laughs> There, there aren't. The only thing that you see in the way of spoilers is the fact that men do come back in the next episode. Whoopie do, but it doesn't tell you a damn. Well, as I was either. implying in our episode, I don't know if you heard me, but I was saying that it was a photo released before the series began, which we, which hasn't come to be, which we we have to assume was going to be a next episode. There was well, a, I didn't know that was that, but it does explain one of the things. The the the, uh, the doctor says the gang of doctor says he he mentions. In his exactly. opening spiel, doesn't he? Yeah, Matt mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, and they do, they do make apparently a little bit of a feature in the next episode. Apparently, you know, and as well as the as well. So you know, but that's not to do with obviously the almost people. Nonetheless, it's some these prequels is something that's actually been going on since the last series. The only difference between the last series and this series, they're actually putting them up on the website for people to see. Whereas with the last series, they're actually put they put them out on the DVD box set. Uh, uh, they, well, they had they had those missing scenes, those extended the scenes. Mi the missing scenes yeah. between each oh, other. The tardy souls, you mean? Yeah. Well, no, they no, 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 not tardy souls. They they were they were like they were Amy introductory and, and the Doctor on the TARDIS to, towards the episode. Yeah. So sort of like what went on between stories or. Yeah, in between stories, just what happened, you know, after the camera finished rolling and stuff like that, you know, get the drift. Um, so you got, but they're doing it now with more prominent stuff with the Dots Who website, so people get to see them, because people actually on the DVD box set who went out and bought them loved it. They thought it was great, and they went out and bought it, uh, the DVD box set, because I know I did, because... I wanted to see what those little in-between scenes were like. They were like those little mini-episodes we saw in those comic release specials that, you know, like Time Crash, for example. Those little mini, little mini, little storylines in between episodes and stuff. And yeah, uh, we're just getting much. a little bit of text here that, we, that people in the thing consider those spoiler things that you just said, so we'll be very careful, please. Oh, we'll do. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. There, there isn't really any spoilers. There isn't really any spoilers. I mean, on the, on the Doctor Who website, all we know is that the uh, and the play a feature in the mid-season finale. That's it. That's all we know. I mean, the actual prequel, for example, that many of your, um, uh, you know, callers yeah, in so far. That, that in itself doesn't is even, a spoiler, doesn't even, doesn't, It doesn't even say anything. really doesn't say anything. All it says is you don't want to anger the Doctor. Yeah, I know. Just some people. All it really says. It for, really for some, but that's that's a. Away. But that's a. Um, some people didn't realize they were coming in. You know, coming back at all. So, and that in oh, itself in is a spoiler. I do apologize to all the people who were listening. Then I do apologize. But um, no, they, that's the only. The, that's the only real spoiler is the fact that those two characters do make an appearance in there. But that, that's like saying the Daleks come back next week. You know, it's not really giving too much away. You don't see how they come back. It doesn't tell you why they come back. It doesn't tell you how it involves Amy's pregnancy and, uh, you know, this thing that's going on with the eye patch woman and the flesh and all that jazz. It doesn't really give too much away. Look, the one thing that was getting me, and this is about, surprisingly enough, the, you know, the end bit, we've always said, obviously, with the uh, almost people had the entire two-part episode with the, you know, the flesh. And I've heard a lot of people and seen a lot of text on here so far saying basically, will the flesh uh, come back and stuff? Well, it's kind of a given, really, if you think about it, because 
the flesh have been utilized for Amy's doppelganger in the TARDIS all this time. So obviously these people have mm. been utilizing the similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's kind of a yeah. given they're going to come yeah, back. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 it was just those few, you know, those few aspects and uh, stuff I just want to mention. And also just say it's nice to actually finally call in and say hi. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, no, uh, yeah, it's uh, as we said earlier in the episode. I mean, it, the doctor says that you know it, it was uh, vital that he learned about the the flesh and in, in its early stages, and um, and and so we knew we know for sure that, and obviously with Amy, we know for sure that there's going to be more flesh to come. Yeah, indeed. So we know that's going to happen. I don't think we'll see. I, you know, I mean, that, that in the earlier parts of the conversation we had on the chat and stuff while the show's been going, I don't think we're going to see the Doctor Ganger again. Um, that's just my own opinion. I don't think we're going to see the Doctor Ganger again. I, I don't think Stephen Moffat, like you said, guys said, is that easily swayed with subplot to actually cop out and say that the flesh ganger of the Doctor is the one that got killed. I think that's that's just a given with Stephen Moffat, yeah, you know. So it's uh, definitely not going to see him again in any form. But yeah, I enjoy I enjoy I enjoyed um, the episode. If Maya was going to give it a rating, I would give it. Unfortunately, I would actually have to give it a three out of ten. A three out of ten. A three out of ten, or well, three out of five, depending on what you want to do. But either way, it gets a low rating for me because it's not the best episode that's actually happened in Doctor Who recent history. I mean, like you say, we've had, um, you know, the Doctor's wife and stuff, which was a fantastic classic, you know, classic style episode set in a modern day style. And we've had uh, other numerous episodes over the tenure of uh, Doctor Who in its current incarnation that have been much better episodes than this. Um, Regardless of the fact that they bring back, you know, some of the past doctors, and they have more freedom with, you know, with bringing back past doctors' voiceovers and inflections and stuff like that, you know, when the flesh first, you know, constitutes at the beginning, it's to me, it was a good story, nonetheless, fantastic story, and it's it's a good midway story because the first part, the Rebel Flesh, was a good opener. This was like. Let me use an analogy, um, like the Empire Strikes Back style, and then obviously it'll culminate with to be continued in, you know, a good man goes to war as the mid-season finale. I think until I've seen the uh, mid-season finale, I can't judge these three episodes, Rebel Flesh, the Almost People, and obviously a good man goes to war as a whole until I've seen this effective trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Okay. Uh, and uh, not just necessarily yourself, but I do feel as though people should realise that actually naming the, the, the possible enemy is, is, can be construed quite clearly as a spoiler. So, uh, I apologise for that if I have actually um, spoilt anybody's... No, I didn't mean to. Okay. Yeah, I may have to bleep anyway, some of this in post. You guys keep up the good work, and I'll uh, look forward to hearing your next episode and stuff. All right. Pleasure. Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers. And Take care. Bye. Uh, we've got two more ratings. Sean, uh, 59, 5 out of 5. Cybob, 4 out of 5. And I think I read the other ones before. And um, perhaps it's just as well you've got uh, 
dial from the seventh doctor muted because uh, there might be a few expletives going about. Well, I, I apologize for that. If we, I, I avoided one of them I knew about only because there was a photo that was released before the series began featuring one of those two that was said. So, uh, you know, but I avoid saying, ex- you know, what it was exactly. But um, in post, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to bleep those uh, names out so that it, you know, it doesn't go any further than that, only because um, some people didn't even know, well, didn't know about I those. Admit, I didn't know. I mean, I, the, the was mentioned in as a possible thing, but uh, uh, certainly the second one that was mentioned. Like I said, I only know about it because of the photo that was released. That was released back yeah. before, I guess, in April, before the series began. Yeah, every time we say it, it's more editing for you. <laughs> but I, I didn't know about the other because I've been avoiding the site. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks again for everyone that had called and that participated. We'll be back next week with our review of um, A Good Man Goes to War. And then we won't be back the following week because we'll give a a chance for BBC America and iTunes and Amazon viewers to kind of catch up. And then and and again, just check out site podshock.net to find out exactly when. We'll try to do a wrap-up show um, sometime after that. So definitely won't be the immediate you know, week after next. So maybe um, at least three weeks from now, we'll do that. But we'll be back next week for same time, same place for our review of next week's episode, A Good Man Goes to War. Oh, so as far as uh, my thoughts go, my final thoughts on Tardis ra- uh, Groans ratings, I I gave last week, I think, four. And this week, I'll give four. But, you know, collectively, I don't know. I, I would say maybe four and a half, maybe pushing five. So uh, I think, Ooh. you know, collectively, I think they work, you know, well together. I think I probably enjoyed maybe, um, I don't know if I want to say if I enjoyed one more than the other. But I think individually, there were four. But I hate rating them individually i just rather rate them together so um together i would say either four or maybe four and a half so um and then we'll That's see it's a strong rating for you lewis because i remember from the seasons last season you were quite indifferent to a number of episodes so yeah so far so far this series has has been good i, I guess the lowest um you know so far that we've seen um that i've i probably given was the the Curse of the Black Spot, which, um, you know, I, I didn't dislike. I just thought it was okay. I thought it was, you know, I think it had more problems with that episode than any others that we've seen thus far. Um, but nothing that, that made me really dislike it. It just kept me from liking it more than I could have, if that makes any sense. All right. So uh, any, um, oh, so I'd remind Dave, if you could remind people about Coltum, which you do every week and you precede our show and people can participate in that too. So if you can give the caller ID and remind people about that. Well, I think I can just do that. Yes, the Coltum Collective. We are also on Torchue, Torchue ID 54821. We got at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And we finish in time so you good people can scurry back to here. <laughs> and uh, also on iTunes, of course, as is this lovely program. All right. Well, very good. So I think that's going to wrap things up unless we have any, any other final things to say, Dave. No, but it's certainly uh, lively times. And this is one of the reasons why it's... Uh, Pity that um, after waiting so long for America and Canada to get in sync with us here in Europe and um, 
it's so sad. Uh, I know, it's uh, frustrating. Pronouncing. Uh, and there was one piece of news, wasn't there, about Piers Wengo, isn't it, that he's leaving uh, Doctor Who, is uh, going to go over to Channel 4 here in the UK. Oh, really? So okay. He's been involved with Doctor Who for quite some time, mm-hmm. but now he's um, stepping away and going to be, um, I think, commissioning agent for the films at Film 4, which is a, a film TV channel in the UK. All right. When, uh, and I'm assuming that that's probably going to happen between the second half. Between the second, between ha- the, the second the half of this series, yeah. yeah. And and 2012 series. I don't know if that's going to be cut in two or not or whatever. We'll we'll find out when we find out. All right. So uh, thank you, everyone, once again. We'll see you next time. Cheers, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan-run GallifreyandEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made part in made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. You're ready to pop, aren't you? Little one's on its way. Here it comes.